Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour podcast. This is where we gather up all the best bits from our live Saturday night show on Talk Radio. Now this week, Harriet was away because she was a bit sick, but myself and Natalie were joined by the amazing Chiadira Egaru, author of What a Time to Be Alone. You can find her at, at The Slum Flower, and she was amazing to talk to. We're also joined by Poppy Chancellor, who is an illustrator who uses paper cutting and also has a book out called Cut It Out. And then we had a great conversation with Marvarine Cole, who's a journalist and broadcaster, about her new documentary about black women and mental health entitled Black Girls Don't Cry. Hope we, I hope you enjoy these best bits. One, two, three, four! We are very lucky to be joined uh, in the studio with Chidira Egaru, who's also known as the Slumflower on Instagram, who's here to talk to us about her new book, What a Time to Be Alone. Welcome, Chidira. Thanks so much Welcome. for having me. Thanks for coming in. At Talk Radio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> before you joined, before earlier, was saying that you've been Emma's badass of the week. Um, Thanks for making me I your badass yeah, of the week. More than once, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. yes, because when you came, so it was before when I first discovered you on social media because I just loved your your posts that you were posting and then secondly it was when you came up with the hashtag saggy boobs matter as well uh -huh. <laughs> so yeah I had a little bit well I still have a massive girl crush on you and what oh, you're doing thank and just you. stuff that you're Yay. saying and um really pleased that you're joining us this week thank you and for having me yeah so I I don't know about you now I've got lots of questions for you but the first my first one is take us back why does saggy boobs matter talk us talk us through the movement and how you came to to grace us <laughs> with your, your wonderful presence. Well, saggy boobs matter because for centuries and literally since I can remember being a woman, women have been told that we have got to earn love and that we only deserve love, affection, care and respect if we meet a certain mold mm. or if we meet a certain standard. And so that standard often excludes women who don't fit into the ideal version of what it means to be beautiful. So that includes maybe disabled women, fat women, women with saggy boobs. So basically women who don't have the body types that you see on television being glorified. And so me being a woman who is quite slim and attractive, I get to benefit of living in a world where being slim and attractive is praised and grants you access to, you know, kind treatment. But then I have saggy boobs. And so that's something that I've seen people respond to me with, um, you know, friction, meanness, not very nice words. And I've had 
unfortunately and I say unfortunately with a lot of conviction unfortunately I am attracted to straight men and so they are the people that have (laughs) (laughs) they are the people that have incurred the most damage on my self-esteem especially with the mean comments about my boobs and so anytime I would post a photo where I'm wearing an outfit and maybe it's a deep plunge outfit which reveals the posture of my boobs or I'm wearing a t-shirt without a bra I'd get really mean comments like you've got slipper boobs or you're 23 but your boobs look 46 or just weird things like that yeah so there's a strange sense of entitlement to women's bodies where we have got to explain ourselves to people and that's something I'm not okay with and that's when I decided that I'm going to speak up about it and create something that is very very clear so that's why I chose Saggy Boobs Matter it's a very very clear message and through creating that it's just allowed me and other women who have boobs like mine regardless of their size or weight or heights to be able to be involved in the conversation but how did you get to that point where you could be really comfortable and really bold Mm. about just owning the way that you are because when I was doing some research on you today you did say like at 18 your like big goal was to get a job that would pay you enough money Mm -hmm. to be able to have a boob job yeah and I you know I I have conversations a lot with people and they're like oh I really want surgery and I'm like I kind of feel like you need to fix the fix the mind and your perspective on it because you know people are beautiful the way they are but it's a big deal to go from wanting a boob job to then being like you know what I'm going to create a hashtag about saggy (laughs) boobs so how did you get to that place because at 18 when I did say that I wanted the boob job and I was like yeah I'm going to get a job at the time when I was 18, I'd never worked in my life. So I thought that when I get a job, I'll have enough money to pay for an 8000 to £10,000 procedure in the UK on Harley Street. Like, yeah, really. Um, that was when I realised, OK, well, I obviously cannot afford this dream. So it's much cheaper for me to love myself. Today. <laughs> Do you know what it is? And I love literally, yeah, I had to literally force myself. It was by force. It became by force. I had to force myself to accept myself. And it was really hard because during that period where I was trying to accept myself as an 18 year old that was when um i saw rihanna had stopped wearing a bra and she just looks cute in everything that's when her boobs were a lot smaller she was a lot thinner back then so she just looked super cute and i I never i never saw anyone shame her for not wearing a bra if anything she was congratulated and praised for how snatched and slender and beautiful she looked and so i decided to do the same but i didn't know that people wouldn't respond to me in the same way because my boobs are 32 double d slash e which is quite large And so me not wearing a bra with my boobs at that size meant that I was open to lots and lots of criticism from people telling me that I should put a bra on and that I'm quote unquote jiggling too much or that my nipples are visible through my shirt. And all these things for me just were like, I don't understand why this is such a big deal. So I just continued. I was like, I'm not going to not do this. Like, I need to be myself. And I don't personally, I find bras like they feel like a cage Mm -hmm. to me. Mm hmm. They just get in my way. I prefer to just swing and be free. I'd rather deal with under boob sweat than like <laughs> than underwiring. There have been so many times when the underwiring has escaped and then poked me in the side. I've got like scars from underwiring coming out of the. Yeah, I remember that. Oh yeah. gosh, it's the worst. Where it, um, where it splits on the side of your bra. Oh, yeah, so yeah, men yeah. who you don't, who don't wear bras, it's just, just ba- yeah, exactly, just metal Horrible. scratching a tender part of your body, um, especially because bras just haven't always been engineered to 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 fit well okay yeah yeah i feel so through me receiving all that scorn and hate i realized okay if if men don't like what i'm doing i'm doing something right Mm. and so i had to keep on doing it and i realized that more and more women were becoming quite receptive to the message and identified with what it meant was it just men though that um showed 
that side of themselves or did you get women also saying oh no you know you need to put on a bra oh definitely got loads of women but with me anytime i come across women who are you know shaming or ridiculing or trying to make a negative light of women being themselves i just really feel sorry for them Mm -hmm. because they are speaking from a place where they've internalized so much so much misogyny that they the only way they know to to be safe and to be likable is to literally reinforce a violent system that exists literally to police them mm-hmm. and so for those who don't know misogyny it what misogyny is misogyny is essentially the hate of women and that is a byproduct of patriarchy which is a system where men hold more power i'm gonna sneeze where men hold more power in society and so seeing women reinforce it it doesn't i just i can't even be bothered with them because mm. again in a but am well, i re okay so, so am i reinforcing it if because i was saying earlier i didn't come into boobs until my 30s and i what does that mean so i basically just didn't really have any and then they just randomly grew when you were 30 yeah so in my 30s i oh. was like oh i have boobs i'm also a 32 double d and i like now having a bit of meat here and mm-hmm. that I don't have particularly pert boobs, but I I appreciate having some You're like voluptuous. Well, I wouldn't even say I was voluptuous. I, I would definitely have more. Any anyway, <laughs> I appreciate having this bit here. And when we were talking about you before, I said, but I, I like having this bit of 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 my boob. It, it, <laughs> Such it, a specific bit. I know. I know. It's, <laughs> it's the top bit for our upper half. You yes. aren't able to Basically, see where. Do I have Natalie issues? Is grabbing so herself. the bit near my death. The top bit, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that issues? Do I have issues? No, you don't have issues for liking yourself. Yeah. What do you okay. mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but but the reason it came up was because we were talking about we were talking about you and and saggy boobs, and I was of saying, course. but so to me, this is the uplift. So mm-hmm. my boobs aren't; they're not. Yeah, but perky. that's what society's told you boobs should look like, isn't it? That's what these guys were saying. That yeah. I'm conforming. My views are conforming yeah. to society's versions. I yeah. should have been happier we, with them we just, as they we were. Should be happy with, happy with how they are. Yeah, like I don't. I just. There are certain things that you're allowed to like about yourself and just because the whole world tells you that you should like it doesn't mean that you should deliberately stop liking it. Like, if you like it, you like it. You're not harming anyone, including yourself, by liking that part of your boobs. So no, you don't like owe anyone that explanation. <laughs> you don't owe anyone any kind of explanation. If you choose to literally go tomorrow and get your boobs augmented, again, you still don't owe anyone anything and you're not betraying the entire woman race by mm-hmm. choosing to augment your boobs. Remember that this conversation to do with Saggy Boobs Matter is all about autonomy and mm-hmm. women having agency over their bodies at the end of the day because even if you do choose to augment your boobs whether that's an uplift or to get an implant inserted your boobs can still be saggy that's the thing and uh i think well you're talking about women having agency after the break we're going to be talking to chadira about her book what a time to be alone so uh (laughs) being a single badass women we uh, love that sort of being independent and fearless so coming up after the break we're going to hear all about that from chadira When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Badass Women's Hour Excel with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell, and Emma Sexton. The Vampire Strikes Back on Talk Radio. One, two, three, four! Welcome back to Badass Women's Hour with me, Natalie Campbell, Emma Sexton, and unfortunately, Harriet Minter isn't with us, but we're well still H. here on Talk Radio, bringing you all of the big conversations. But now we are joined in the studio by Chidera Egaru, who is the author of What a Time to Be Alone, The Slumflower's Guide to Why You Are Already Enough. And in the previous um, uh, segment, we were talking about uh, saggy boobs mattering. We were. We were. Uh, and now we're going to talk about your book because it's out on Thursday. Yes, it is. Congratulations. Thursday, 26th of July. Thank yeah. you very much. And this is your first book? This is my first book. And how did the book come about? Like, how did you, I don't know, we've had people who've written books on here before, but yours wasn't really, yours didn't start out as a book, did it? No, it didn't. It started out as a collection of angsty thoughts that I used to put out <laughs> onto it. the internet. And I just thought that I was the only person who felt how I felt. But then through me using Twitter as a place where I could put up 140 character <laughs> venting, I found that people would literally tweet me and be like, oh my gosh, I relate. This is so me. I'm so glad you're able to articulate my foggy emotions. Mm. So at the at this point, I didn't actually think I could publish a book because I thought, oh, you had to have studied English literature or English language and you have to be like super well-spoken to be an author. Like I still pronounce author as author. Like, <laughs> <laughs> author. <laughs> but then, so I decided, okay, I'm going to write a zine instead. Mm -hmm. So it was going to be a fun zine where I'd collate loads of thoughts and make them into mini impactful, very short essays with loads of illustrations all done by me. Mm -hmm. And I made it all by myself on Adobe InDesign. And then I posted four screenshots of the pages that I liked the most onto Twitter. And then it got such amazing engagement like so many people were responding saying this is amazing oh my gosh is this going to be a book mm. what i love it and then that's how my literary agent came across it but at the time i didn't know what a literary agent was okay they literally messaged me and they were like we love this we'd love to have a meeting so i rocked up to the meeting unprepared didn't know what to expect but i was like i'm open-minded i just love to learn what they have to say and we'll see what happens and they were like this is incredible this needs to be a book we would love to see this out to publishers on your behalf and so I joined with my literary agent and then they sent it out to a few publishers and then after back and forth I picked the publisher that I felt understood exactly what I was trying to achieve through this book um, and that's literally how it happened and so the whole point of this book was to 
make the experience of not just reading really exciting again but just self-help and everything like that i feel like with self-help because a book does fall into a self-help category mm. but i feel like with self-help the problem i found is that they're very wordy and like jargony and sometimes they put you on the books put you on a lot of pressure to to have it fixed and sorted out by the time you close that last page of yeah, the book definitely but with my book how i've designed it is that it hasn't got any page numbers because I want you to literally start where nice. you are. Yeah, I want you to open up on any page and oh, you'll still that's find a message deep. for you. Start where you are. I'll start where yeah. you are. Mm-hmm. That's the thing though, we've, we've taken control of your life. You're not supposed to wait until Wednesday 15th of October. <laughs> <laughs> you start now. Yeah. You, you literally have to address what it is that is creating that vicious cycle of self-depreciating or self-sabotaging behavior mm. as soon as possible. That's the thing. You don't wait or try to put a, a deadline or a start date on it so with this book there are no page numbers you pick it up and whatever page you're on will resonate with you mm. and that's how i want self-help to be i want self-help to be something that gives you room to be vulnerable and get it wrong and fumble and trip and then start again and just grow back into yourself and learn but ultimately the process should be as easy on you as possible because the world is hard enough as it is so i don't want you to feel judged or feel like you're a quote-unquote idiot for not being able to still fix your life after reading all 387 pages of this really hyped up self-care book that is being pushed in your face Can so you... there are 387 i mean not in my book oh, no, 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 no. I'm, <laughs> saying, I'm saying in terms of the self-care self-help yeah. books that i've come across that mm-hmm. are really really thick and have got so right. many pages and that they're really insightful don't get me wrong but i just feel pressured to have it all sorted by the time i finish the book so can you give us a bit of um, some themes or some insights into what readers can expect to hear about? So the book is divided into three sections, you, them and us. So the first section, which is called you, is all about addressing what makes you who you are mm-hmm. and how you've arrived at the person that you are through the patterns you've been creating in your behaviour that have been instilled in you from your childhood and how that influences the way you respond to the world. And then the second section is them. And so it's about not necessarily worrying about other people and trying to be a version of what they think is beautiful or perfect or acceptable and understanding that people will keep on asking you and asking you and asking you for different parts of yourself until they realise that you're not willing to do that. So it's about separating yourself from what the world wants you to be. And then the last section, us, is about understanding that fundamentally we are all the same we all want to be loved we all want to be understood we all want to be liked we all want to feel chosen we all want to feel like we've achieved something we're all scared we're all going through something that we've we're scared that we can't overcome and so it's all about just wrapping it up and understanding that regardless of however your life turns out through your interactions with people nothing anybody ever ultimately does is because of you can i just going back to them how how easy is it to follow that advice in a social media era because even the smallest thing that you posted and and maybe it was something you posted because you're really happy in that moment people (laughs) judge yeah people feel like they they can judge and and tear down so you know how do you help people get through that because it's for some people it's constant people are constantly saying that's not good enough that's not right yeah that section is really important because it is really hard to detach yourself from an idea that other people have imposed on you. But mm-hmm. then it's important to understand that even all these standards and ways that people claim are the perfect way to behave, that's constantly shifting and changing. So mm-hmm. if you wrap your identity around what other people want from you, then you're going to lose more and more of yourself. So it's about it's more about self-preservation 
and trying to prioritize you being the most of yourself and so it is really hard and anything that is really really hard is worth it and I don't think the journey of becoming a greater higher version of yourself or finding security in who you are is something you can do overnight it comes Mm. from repetition and breaking that cycle and if you think about how cycles are created it is by repetition and it is by a pattern so it comes from you having to literally break that pattern and that requires you hammering away and chipping away at that thing that you've been repeating for your whole life so it is definitely a process but it's something that you you either have to start it or you let the dangerous cycle continue Tell us about the title of the book. So you've called the book, What a Time to Be Alone. Can you tell us the reasons why you've titled your book that way? So I've chosen to call it What a Time to Be Alone because I really wanted to play on the phrase What a Time to Be Alive, (laughs) which is something that people say when they're like, wow, life is really mad. And it's Mm. either a negative thing or a positive thing, but it's just rah, what a time to be alive, like rah. But with What a Time to Be Alone, I want people to immediately see that this is for you, like, even if you're married or if you live with like 13 siblings or you're in a you're in a football team whatever it is if you're surrounded by people you still feel alone sometimes Mm. every single person feels alone sometimes and that comes from feeling like you're not understood to the to the capacity you want to be understood and it's hard to articulate that especially when the people around you it looks like they're doing their best and they feel like they're doing their best but something just isn't enough Mm. so this book is essentially supposed to like fill in those holes where you feel like yeah that's what I meant but I didn't know how to say it this is this is it this is what I mean so yeah I want to make solitude great again basically I want to make it cool for people to say yeah I was on my own I went on my own and no one's going to be like oh I'm so sorry do you know what I mean where did your inspiration come from because as you were talking Osho's love freedom and loneliness uh, love freedom and aloneness sprung into mind Uh, Nora Ephron wrote a lot about being alone did you did you look to the archives did you look to the philosophers to to understand I know you're asking to, to collate your thoughts or were you you know literally in your room just pulling out of your mind all of those moments and all of the things that you you felt and thought ironically I don't really read books <laughs> um, <laughs> I know a lot of people that make tv say they don't watch tv so it's yeah ironically I don't really read books but I would love to read Osho's work mm-hmm. um the only philosopher actually whose work I've engaged with is Alan Watts he's my favorite um he died in like in the 70s I think but there's so much of his work available to watch on YouTube and he's really he's really easy to listen to he's quite the existentialist but I love existential conversations and that's what this book is as well it's very existentialist it's very you know like it's all gonna end but that's that's fine (laughs) that's pretty (laughs) much (laughs) yeah but not in a way to like pressure you to have fun if you don't want to have fun Mm because you don't even have to be here if you don't want to literally you're not obliged to be here like that's just literally like that's how alan watts basically delivers his message he's very much like you know he says out of nothing comes nothing Mm -hmm. and so he's very very all about reminding people that we place so much emphasis on human existence so you have the choice to either hyper analyze every single thing or just choose to live and try to exist at the like just try to access the most parts of yourself Mm. and so for me when I was writing this book I didn't engage with with any writing from any other authors I just wanted as much of my style as possible to come Come through through. yeah which is why I've there's some a few slang words in there um which I've deliberately kept there because I just want it to I want it to have personality i want it to feel like someone's literally talking to you on the phone 
Do you think we've overcomplicated com- over life? I can't even get my words out. But have <laughs> we overcomplicated life? Is life is life much simpler than um, we've all bought into? I want to say life is simpler, but then we, we exist in a capitalist society where you literally have to pimp yourself off to survive. Like <laughs> everyone's got to pimp themselves. Like we have, to, so we don't have a choice but to be complex. Mm. And then with capitalism comes so many ethical conversations. So we can't afford to not to not address so many things at once. But I mean, I do I do think of a world where we don't have to exist in a capitalist society but because i'm so i'm so used to existing in one i don't even know what that world will look like and if it will be able to sustain itself Mm -hmm. but don't you think we make life more complicated because i certainly think a lot of the stuff you're covering in the book is once you once you understand yourself once you understand other people you have a lot less drama in your life right Mm -hmm. because you can i don't know you just know how to react to things in a better way you know when people are right for you and when they're not and i personally feel like you know all the stuff that i've done about learning about psychology and about people and a lot of the stuff i I said to you in the break i wish that there was somebody around when like i was your age because i feel like i've had 15 years of like reading research to try and get to a point that you're already at um and I feel like my life is a lot less complicated and I'm a lot more happier. Like I don't spend Same. time worrying about what I look like. I don't spend time worrying about somebody else's drama. I feel mm. like Teflon sometimes. It's not that I'm not, <laughs> I'm not like, um, you know, uh, sensitive. You're breathable, to... but you don't let anything in. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's is it. You just don't let things stick. Do you know what I mean? If someone yeah. wants to put something like a bad quote on my social media, I'm like, yeah, okay, mate, but back like, on. One of the first things I remember about you is that your, your motto is zero f's given yeah and that is the one thing that you carry through and i'm like there's a a book there but it's like uh, there's limited things that i will get my your f's out for yeah yeah perspective same as you right and it's exactly as you said the the way you've broken it down in terms of um you us them it is it's it's giving you perspective on each of those different scenarios so what's the perspective you need to have when you're sitting in that space just as you let's remove all of the crap you know just you okay when you're in an environment where it it's the it is the it's, it is it is us is the next bit you them us them them us okay you know looking outwards what does that mean and then when it's us it, again what's the perspective what what are the things that you need to know that help yeah. you shift how you behave in that scenario because the mm. only thing you can control in that situation is your behavior of is course. how you yeah. respond yeah but i've i've seen people completely like create more and more drama and dysfunctional relationships because they haven't understand it, understood themselves yeah. and they haven't reacted with people in the right way they haven't had that level of emotional intelligence and then that person reacts to them badly and then they don't understand that and mm. I'm like oh my goodness so this is all stemmed <laughs> from the fact that you don't realize that you've yeah. got that going on Repeating and it's yeah. a cycle yeah yeah but um you set up another hashtag didn't you which I thought was really interesting which is the block him party oh I did yes tell us about that <laughs> So last summer, I put I literally threw a party called hashtag Block Him Party. <laughs> Where was my invite? Oh, I needed to be there. Oh, you missed it. <laughs> <laughs> but it was called Block Him Party because one, I was playing on the phrase Block Party. And for those who don't know what Block Party is, essentially like an old 90s style party that's on an estate block. And then you just invite people and just, you know, get some juice together, get some alcohol, get some, you know, barbecue, everyone party. So Block Him Party was about me trying to encourage women who have just come out of a terrible relationship with a man to um, meet other women who are also going through it and just celebrate your newfound freedom. And also, I at the end of the party, I did a whole talk about the importance mm-hmm. of accountability 
And so I was trying to, or I was using that talk to encourage women to see the difference between blame and accountability. Because mm. when you come out of a bad relationship, the first thing you do is blame yourself. And mm. you're like, well, it was my fault. I should have loved myself enough. should have been smarter. You know, I should have known from early on. All those red flags I ignored. God damn it. But accountability is different because accountability is not about saying that you're a bad person, that you deserve the bad outcome. Accountability is just you identifying the cycles of your behavior and also yeah. just like being able to pinpoint that particular point in the pattern where you have the choice to stop doing that and it takes a lot of work but in order for you to stop ending up in the same cyclical relationships it comes from you identifying your behavior and sitting down with yourself and asking yourself what was the what was the role you played in this mm. because in every situation you play a role whether it's a five percent input or 90 percent there's something that you've done to contribute to the outcome of this and it's not necessarily your fault but it's just if you don't identify that behavior you're going to be contributing to very similar outcomes later on in your life so the whole point of that party was for me to equip women with the knowledge required to start now mm. again I'm, I'm really big on starting now I don't want to give anyone any kind of insight that they will take and it just sounds very fluffy and airy but there's no actual way to implement that into their life right now like you don't have to be over him right now you can still be crying about it and shedding and mourning the death of something that you invested so much of yourself in but at the same time you're also thinking of your action plan as to how you're going to get yourself back together so what sort of age groups does this way of thinking appeal to you then because you know emma's interested but i can imagine someone sitting at home saying but i'm you know i'm i'm married or i'm divorced how, how do they connect into this how are you speaking to them this is for anybody with a heart and feelings literally there isn't a particular age to fix yourself there isn't a deadline for growth like literally there isn't and everyone's in a constant state of healing it just doesn't start or end at a particular point you just choose when you've had enough some people don't know that they've had enough because they just don't know that they're in a situation that's just eroding at their soul um so a lot of the time when you're in pain you're so you're in so much pain that you can't feel it like have you ever been this or oh, i don't know but some people there's something that happens to your nerves right when you're in so much pain that your body just like you can't feel it. like when you when you when you get burnt for example uh, depending on how deep the burn is in your skin you can't actually feel what's happening because your body just like switches off and that can happen to you when you're in you're in such a terrible situation and it's it's happened for so long that it's become so complex that you can't even you just think that because it's not because it's not quote unquote that bad mm. you choose to stay so instead of for you to create standards that that say you know what i deserve great things i deserve to be adored cherished valued seen and heard but because you don't know that you deserve that you're staying in a situation where you're being spoken over or that your emotions aren't being addressed or where you're shrinking yourself in order to keep other people warm and some people don't know that it's damaging but the assumption is that so as i was listening to you, i was like yeah all and all and all of that's great but you have to also give that out too so you if you want to be cherished and adored and loved you have to know how to give that behaviour out. And that's what I've seen. And to yourself. And most definitely to yourself first. To yourself What do they first. say? You teach other people how to treat you, yeah. don't they? That's the normal. Like. And so where I've seen it go awry is where I, I've had friends and I've called them out on it, that they're asking for all of this stuff. And I'm like, model the behaviour you want to see. On yourself. To yourself yep. and to the person you're in a relationship that's with. That's how you teach people how to treat you, though, yep. by using your literal self as an example. And that's, that's literally what I do with myself. I provide myself with the love, care and attention that I deserve. Mm. 
that I say I want from other people so that it doesn't I'm not just saying it for the sake of it like I'm living it and I'm giving it to myself I'm living proof that it can be given to me because I'm a person and I'm in a position where I have the capacity to give that to someone else Mm. so you're definitely right about you know it's one thing saying I deserve all these things but you have to believe you deserve it by giving it to yourself prove it to yourself that you deserve it by giving it to yourself and you will find that when that becomes your new version of normal you will not even you won't even flinch or respond to the kind of people you used to be drawn to or attract when you come across them because you can't even relate to them anymore. Mm. You're so you're so busy loving yourself and understanding how much value you possess that your version of normal is something that for most people it's seen as too high of a standard. How do you set that up in a relationship though? I mean, if you were to meet someone now, do you sit them down and have that conversation? Are you like, look, you need to read my book first and then we can go on a date. Or on the date, are you like, look, you know, this is what I need or do you keep it hidden? Do you just show that? Behavior? Like, how does it work? Well, for me, I've I've stopped dating, but um, I have a best friend mm-hmm. and he's a straight man. And my relationship with him has literally set the tone for any kind of relationship I would have with any man because as much as he's my friend, he makes the effort to really check in with me Mm -hmm. and listen to me and literally provide me with the safety that I deserve. And so I think it starts from what do your what do your friendships look like? What do your what do your other interpersonal relationships look like? As in. What is the standard you expect from those that you keep close to you in your life? Because when when those people meet the standards that you keep in your life and you also live up to those standards as well, it means that when you do attract people or when you do come across people that you're interested in, you don't have to sit them down and give them a guideline checklist. They already they already give off that same standard like they already live like that as well. Mm. So you don't have to literally explain to them why you deserve to be respected like they just understand. You get what I mean? Like there are people, for basically what I'm trying to say is that there will always be someone out there who meets your standards, but for them, they don't even have to try. It's just normal. Well, we've picked Thank your you. brain enough. So tell us, where can we find you? <laughs> you can find me online at The Slum Flower or in a bookshop on a bookshelf <laughs> from Thursday, Thursday 26th. <laughs> wonderful. Chidera, it's been wonderful having you on. Thank you Thank so you much for so having much. me. One of our badasses of the week. <laughs> 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 Emma, what's going on next? Uh, So coming up, we've got Poppy Chancellor. She is an artist and author of Cut It Out. Badass Women's Hour XL on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Now, another badass woman. We've got the incredible Poppy Chancellor in. Hello, Poppy. Hi, guys. Now, Poppy is the artist and author of Cut It Out. So tell our listeners a little bit about your... your illustration and your method of illustrating um my method is that right am i saying am, am i introducing that as a yeah right i guess i don't think i don't think of it as like a method of illustration it's just how i it's draw i think yeah. it's kind of i see paper cutting which is what i do um as a form of drawing really so i did illustration at uni and um i wanted to try something that was a bit different to what everyone else was doing and i thought Oh, I, I I tried charcoal, I tried all these different collage things and um, I was like, you know what, I'm going to give the scalpel a go. I haven't, I, <laughs> why not? I haven't Everyone's done using a yeah. pen. You looked oh, across the desk. Yeah. Like, mm, what about no, that no, one? No, no. Scalpel. <laughs> that one. Yeah. And I, I hadn't done it before and um, it was actually the not being good at it initially that made me really enjoy it. So 
I was think I just thought, God, these images look so different to my drawing, or they look so different um, to the work that I had been doing. And I was like, I want to get really good at this. And from there, yeah. So I came, Emma showed me some of your work a, a while ago, and you had one um, an image of a sassy badass woman. It said, "Feeling myself." Oh yeah. So you then started oh, to marry yeah. culture with your your paper cuts. Yeah. So I think. Um, when I initially started, I was making lots of commissions for people. Um, and that was more kind of people telling you what they'd like in the commissions that were very personalized. And then I I realized as I, my Instagram following was growing, why don't I make imagery that I really enjoy making that makes me laugh? Um, and that is just like women, humor, uh, beauty, all those different things, having a sense of humour and jokes and all those kinds of things. So as I started to make more of that, then brands saw that, other people who wanted commissions saw that, and then that type of illustration could grow as well. And then, so how have you gone from kind of deciding to use a scalper instead of a pen, <laughs> yeah. mastering the art of that, <laughs> to then getting a book deal? Oh, God, I know. You know what, Instagram... Really? I'm going to be real. Yeah. But that is it. Like, I think there was a real craft resurgence over the past few years. Mm. Everyone was just like sick of, I mean, I, I actually think it was like after, um, you know, people just being on their computers that whole time and just feeling really stressed. Everyone's like, how can we go back to something a bit more handmade, yeah. a bit more felt? Um, and I noticed that got everyone's, you know, like doing little sewing in their spare time or trying new things. And I think that lovely craft resurgence has allowed a lot of people to try new things and people want to do, you know, making in their spare time to really chill their minds out of the kind of anxieties of every day. Because you've been doing workshops and I saw, were you oh, doing yeah. workshops with Chanel as well? Yeah. Yeah, like, the big brands are interested now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, hey, thanks. Um, yeah, we were doing some amazing ones with Chanel who want to engage with their customers more. Again, have that lovely timeout moment. Mm. And paper cutting is not expensive to try. You have a scalpel, you have some paper, and I will design the template for you. So that bit, again, if you can't draw, I can do that for you. And then it's literally cutting along a line. So Okay, Poppy, I'm just going to back yeah. you off a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've tried cutting have some you? things on yeah. paper. Yeah, and... yeah, no, the whole paper ripped. Oh, so okay. back up. Okay. How, just <laughs> exactly, yeah. as an art form, if I was sitting down, mm -hmm. in the same way colouring books have taken off, yes. how the hell do I get started okay. cutting things? On without paper. cutting fingers without cutting fingers oh. or just ripping the whole page that's yeah. you know you go like that and the whole page just falls apart okay so what i would say is cut slowly mm -hmm. press nice and hard you need a cutting mat i feel like we've we've changed the the show so sorry i'm trying to get into the get zone, into the zone. So late gotta, night with poppy yeah. on uh, cutting paper <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's basically like taking your time pressing nice and hard with the scalpel cutting towards you rotating the paper and it's basically practice okay that's what I've noticed in my workshops is when we do the worksheet everyone kind of destroys the worksheet mm. and they're like oh and then as soon as they've practiced you know doing the curve or the straight line they get better and better and the confidence grows and then they're cutting out a woman taking her bra off and they're like, I love it. <laughs> so yeah, there's there's a bit of practice. Like the workshops are usually about two and a half hours. 
And what's in the book then? So the book is called Cut It Out. What, Cut it out. what can people expect if they buy the book? So we wanted to create a book that was like giving somebody a craft all in one go. So they knew nothing about paper cutting. We would tell them where to get the materials, how to practice. And then you've basically got 30 templates inside for weddings, birthdays, Christmas, Hindus, haha, like you were talking about. <laughs> um, so anything that you could really need. And then there are simple designs and then really complex ones as well, which people seem to do first. And they're like, look, Poppy, I made the hardest one. I'm like... What? <laughs> that one takes hours. So they're, they're always really proud of that and they'll tag me and things that they've made. So that's so nice to see that people use it and love it. And you've been doing some commissions. You're wearing a T-shirt, aren't you? Yeah, it Tell says Eyes the on the Prize. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a friend of mine, uh, Marissa Montgomery, runs a T-shirt company called Rotten Roach. And we met up and she just said, I'd love you to do some illustrations for me. And they're all based on eyes. So little phrases, I spy with my little eye, eye candy, eyes on the prize, beautiful things like that. So it's amazing to see your drawings actually embroidered on mm. fabric. I can wear this, like mm. I can't wear a paper cut. So it's nice to see your work develop in different areas, basically. Yeah. yeah. And what is coming up next for you in terms of like, are Ooh. you, because, you know, I think you've got such a, a wonderful, distinctive style. If you're mm, yeah. if you're listening, do check out Poppy's Paper Cuts on Instagram and have a look at Poppy's style. It's just, it's a badass yeah. style for me. Yeah. I was just like, I've, it's always resonated <laughs> with me. I've always wanted it to be just like really fun, carefree, really... Um, like it's also a way to me to like love and appreciate my physical body. I love looking at nudes mm -hmm. and women feeling comfortable with their friends or in their home or whatever. So I've started a little series where you're just like naked on a cushion. It's called Tushy on a Cushion. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like really colorful, like houseplants. And I just, I love that imagery of feeling beautiful and relaxed. Mm and wanting to share that with people and that it was mainly for me but then people I've met at my workshops are like oh my god my daughter's slightly bigger she loves your work she f is really starting to own her curves as she gets older Amazing. and that kind of thing and then you're like oh my god I was doing it for me but it's you know it's it spreads so that's important as well yeah, I can see your work on like I'd love to have some like some cushions and yeah. a few t-shirts and all of that yeah a, a wall hanging yeah I don't know it's a wallpaper I don't know yeah, yeah. just yeah. like yeah yeah, but I think it's been a theme of the conversations that we've had today. Yeah. So going back to your point around, because we're all focused on a computer screen all the time, yeah. people are appreciating doing stuff with their hands, but also that element of just wanting to own who you are and yeah. appreciate and love ourselves even more. Mm. So you started doing something because it was an act of self-love for you. Yes. Yeah. And now it's become an act of self-love for others. Yeah. How do you think, so how, how is social media helped you spread that message because on, on social I feel like you can there's a lot more that you can share with 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 a post with a quote you can interact in a different way yeah because you know sometimes we talk about social media in quite a negative way a lot of the time but it yeah. feels like this is a really positive medium for you yeah I think because it's less I'll put a picture of myself every now and then but it's not I don't need to get my own validation from it so I'm not like oh my god is that <laughs> angle okay for me because it's yeah. my work um if someone doesn't like it as much as I do, I feel 
it's more like they don't like my work rather than they don't like me. Mm-hmm. So then I can try something out and be like, okay, people aren't responding to that as much as they've responded to this. So it's more kind of testing out your audience and it doesn't feel as personal. Mm. So I think when I had a personal Instagram and I'd be like, oh, that picture got more than that one, then I'd feel like actually hurt. Whereas now it's like, okay, people are really into nudes. I didn't I didn't think they were going to be. Because yeah. when I started first doing that, people were like, excuse me, I don't expect to see nipples in my morning feed. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, but this, based on the fact they weren't your nipples, they yeah, were a paper cut but, out. This but. was maybe a different audience that was a bit more uh, reserved. But as you build up and you keep giving that imagery, then your followers start to enjoy and expect that kind of imagery. Mm. So then I'm creating a safe space for that imagery and kind and of for them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And was it yeah. was it hard to find your authentic style? Because you said earlier on oh, that, yeah. you know, as soon as you just started doing the things that you wanted to do, suddenly, you know, it's it, it's all sort of unleashed itself. Yeah. Um, you know, what were you doing before? What's different about your work now? So I think when I started it was very like flowers and birds, because that is what I'd seen of paper cutting so far. It was very um decorative and quite traditional which I actually also really love. Like I have a lot of love for that um, element when I see it, like beautiful Polish paper cuts and they're they're incredible. Um, But I just thought what isn't being done is having that really strong female voice and a sense of humor because craft can be Mm. quite serious. Mm. Like, oh, are you using that type of paper? I use this. (laughs) And you're like, you know, or we can be imperfect there can be a little bit wrong with it that that bit of writing is not perfect and that can be fine as well Mm. so um it takes it took me a really long time actually to get to that point where I knew I loved text I wanted to include slogans I wanted to include the female form um and it takes a while to build that up I tried not to follow that many paper cut artists in case they would infiltrate mm. my brain and I'd think it was my idea and all that kind of yeah. thing because I think that happens a lot in social media so it was more like looking back looking at old movie stars looking at the pictures in my phone like what for me is a reality is like going to Hampstead Ponds with my friends and seeing all these naked women and in the in nature and can I recreate that so mm. it was trying to be inspired by real life and history rather than yeah being too involved with what else is going on around me if any of our listeners are really good at some kind of craft or Mm. illustration and they want to get to a point where they are literally making a living out of that what advice could you share with them find your niche and dominate it (laughs) literally that is it like (laughs) so i found paper cutting which is a niche of illustration and then i found my voice and that's also so i'm like niche niche <laughs> Love it. so but the more niche you can be the more desirable you are so find the thing that you do get good at it and then find who you are and then just practice practice Lovely. and if people want to find you yeah where, where can they um so poppy's paper cuts on instagram and poppy chancellor on twitter and where can they buy the book and the book is everywhere i mean i like amazon because it's like next day and i don't have to go anywhere (laughs) but if you want to go to the shop yeah they're in all the shops poppy it's been absolutely wonderful having you you on the show thank you so much badass women's hour xl with harriet minter natalie campbell and emma sexton on talk radio Next, we are talking to journalist Marvine Cole to explore why some black women in the UK are more prone to anxiety and depression. 
Marvin is on the line and ready to join us. Marvin, hi. Hello, how are you doing, Natalie? You good, right? thank you. Thank you for joining us. No problem. So, tell us, black girls don't cry. We've we've actually had uh, the slum slum flower on uh, earlier. So she's yeah, amazing, absolutely <laughs> wonderful. And she was, we were talking about self help and creating new narratives for ourselves. What's the research that set you off on this journey to create this documentary? Wow. Okay. Well, um, the NHS um, published. Uh, something called the Adult Psychiatric Morbidity Survey in 2014. Um, and that really highlighted for me something quite surprising in that, yes, um, they kind of surveyed a, a whole host of people um, and um, black women were more prone, as you said, to CMDs, common mental disorders, so anxiety, depression, panic, OCD, uh, more prone uh, to suffer those than white women. Um, and then also I uncovered some other research. The uh, Cambridge University actually did a research study of uh, women across uh, several cities. It was a, a self-harm report. Um, and that concluded that, um, again, the risk of self-harm, the rates of self-harm were highest in young black females between 16 and 34. Wow. And, you know, that is not necessarily a narrative we see played out across the media when uh, people talk about self-harm or anxiety or or depression. And yeah. when I, you know, we've had lots of authors on the show that have written books about anxiety and, and, and depression. Um, and thinking back, actually, most of them have been white. And the narrative and the story and and um, I guess the perspective that they take is, is different from what a black woman would would experience and one of the notes that i've got here is it says you know is the age-old strong independent sassy black women stereotypes blame or as some clinical experts argue are there far deeper issues at play like culture and black history so you know why 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 do we need to single out black women in in this issue specifically what's different um, Absolutely, like you said, you know, the, the narrative, the stories, the black, black women's truths, and this is African-Caribbean women uh, born in the UK, this is the focus. Their narratives, our narratives, are not in the mainstream. They're very much hidden. We are very much ignored, and that is across the board, you know, for all sorts of industries. That's mm -hmm. why all industries are talking about diversity, because we really aren't represented across the board, and it's similar with our stories. Um, and so for me, that's why there was a focus. Also, you know, this stemmed from my own, uh, kind of my own story, you know, my own story of depression in 2001. Why didn't I talk to my friends? Why didn't I tell my family? Did you know you were um, depressed? I knew there was something wrong. I was in an emotional mess. Okay. You know, for me, it was a domino effect of um, I'd lost my job and I'd split with a boyfriend all in the same month. And I just kept going out, drinking, dancing with the girls, mm -hmm. crying for hours every day. And... Mm -hmm. I knew something was wrong. So, you know, you know, I think part of that was part of it. It's not the sole reason, but the strong black woman stereotype does have a bearing. You know, it's perpetuated in the media, perpetuated in movies, a sassy girl, you know, the independent <laughs> girl, the no-nonsense girl. Mm -hmm. So that woman, that image um, and representation really does matter. If you see that image, you almost kind of live it. Mm -hmm. uphold it and it is expected of you um that does have an impact and for me i was thinking you know if i tell my friends my friends will go marverine are you serious you what's going on you can't cope nah that's not true mm -hmm. um 
and the same with you know my mum's Jamaican from the Windrush generation in our family in particular obviously I can't speak for all families but I have had a lot of messages from women saying this is my story too mm. but for me I couldn't turn around to my mum and say not feeling well mum having to go to the doctor and he's diagnosing me with depression I didn't know how she was going to react so Strong black ter- stereotype definitely has a bearing. Cultural stigma, I think, has a bearing. And a whole host of other things that I kind of touched on in the, in the documentary that I made for BBC Radio 4 that's online now called Black Girls Don't Cry. As you were talking, I was actually sort of smiling wryly because <laughs> I know the response you would, that you would have got, which is depression, depression. When I was around here raising six kids, I didn't have time to have depression, get up and go and do whatever. Well, and so, quite. you know, it, it is that thing of get on with it. That is the yeah. narrative. That's what we're told. What, what else do you explore within the documentary? Well, it's really interesting. I, I spoke to a fascinating African-centred clinical psychologist called Dr. Erica McInnes, based in Manchester. But she she runs, um, as well as obviously her, her treatment work and her uh, seminars and talks, she runs something called uh, an Emotional Emancipation Circle. And they are run all, all over the country and hundreds of people go to them. And I visited one of those. But she says that... Um, you know, that we are left with the scars of generations um, uh, from the transatlantic slave trade in that, you know, women worked out in the fields, toiled um, as hard as men and were abused. And and so, you know, that strength has, has, has stayed with us, all of these generations. We are the fittest of the fittest as she puts it, you know, we've survived. We are the survivors of, of of deep trauma because we know the slave trade continued for several generations, for over 400 years. Mm. Um, and she says that there are scars there on us as black women. Um, and that's one of her um, discussions around this and as why we are uh, becoming more represented, more represented in the mental health uh, kind of issue. Um intersectionality as well i'm sure many listeners to this show will know exactly what that is about mm-hmm. um that term coined by dr kimberly crenshaw you know the famed scholar and and feminist of how black women we are caught in an intersection uh there are barriers against us we're a woman we're black um, you know, and, all, uh, and racism and patriarchy and sexism all have a bearing on us. Um, and I think that's a very valid, valid argument as well. You know, all of these things affect us. Um, and of course, we've seen in, in recent months all the surveys that have come out about how much actually today social media really has an impact on our mental health in that, you know, everybody's living their best life on Instagram, <laughs> etc. Hashtag, woo, you know, yellow, everybody's looking good. But what happens when you put down the phone? Mm. You know, is that really your real life? Are you trying to keep up appearances? A bit of a hyacinth bouquet kind of a, you know, metaphor. You're trying to keep up appearances, but your, ni- your life is not all that it seems. Mm. Um, and that's a pressure, isn't it? If you look around and you see all your mates doing this, I'm doing this, I've got a new book out, I've got this going on, da 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 but if you're not doing the same and you don't feel as successful as everybody else, that has an impact on you as well. Marverine, how have you kind of um, coped with and how do you deal and, with your depression and anxiety now? Are things improved for you? Do you do you have anything? Wow. 
That's a really interesting question. <laughs> Thank you, Emily. You know, it's funny. Um, someone asked me that yesterday. A journalist asked me that yesterday for an interview, and I went, "Ooh, yeah, I need to stop overworking. Right. Uh, I do too much of that, and I think a lot of women out there are guilty of just saying yes to everything um, and not carving enough time for yourself. Uh, what I definitely have done is I've... I, I, I don't know. I, I suppose it's from my past experience. I have a very keen self-awareness now, so I know when I'm not feeling well, when things are getting on top of me. Um, so now I, I speak up. I have an amazing, understanding husband who is on the brunt end of my ranting, but also, you know, sits down with me and helps me rationalise what's going on and says, OK, let's make a plan. This is what we need to do. How do you feel about doing this? How do you feel about stopping this, saying no to this bit of work? And, you know, navigating me through it. Mm. Um, that's very good. And, and then sometimes, and I recommend this to anybody, if you are not feeling well, if you can do it, you know, I'm not saying stop your car in the middle of the street or jump off the train or whatever and stop it, you know, and, and miss your stop home. But sometimes when I'm at home and I'm not feeling well, I just stop. I just lie down on the floor, stretch out, and I just have a cry. And I just get it out and I let I just go, what's this feeling I'm feeling here? Let me just let it go, wash over me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I ho- hope I can pick myself up and just get on. But I think suppressing your feelings is not the right way. We've got to talk up. We've got to either go to the charities that are out there, the voluntary organisations, our friends, our family, who we can trust, who we can confide in. And, of course, as well, you know, if you feel you can, go to statutory services as well, your GP, you know. Um, or if you're in crisis, of course, you, you, you know, get to A&E. Marvreen, I was just going to ask, is, is that the reason you called it Black Girls Don't Cry? Yeah, because we don't cry. I mean, wow, we're not, <laughs> we we're, we're, we're not, we're not portrayed <laughs> as being criers. No. It's only two weeks ago we saw Samira in Love Island actually crying because she missed Frankie. You know, she's kind of been the rock of that show and been the rock there for everybody else. But, um, you know, we're not shown as criers. And I think that pressure of how we're portrayed, strong, sassy, um, does not help us. But we need to cry. And I know from all the messages I've had over the last week about this documentary, so so many women are saying, that's my story. Thank you for telling that. Mm. That's my story. I do cry. It's okay to cry. We must not keep things in. So again, I'm I'm smiling. Um, I'm, I'm going to milk the fact that I did a hundred k walk over the weekend. Whoa! Yeah. Oh my god, yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, we're lucky it, still, to still have her. Yeah, exactly. Still got my legs. But towards the end, so I must. Ooh. I think I was 95 kilometers away. Oh my god! And I, as in, I'd done 95 kilometers, and I was broken, absolutely broken, mentally, physically, and I tried to cry, and yeah. I actually couldn't, oh! and I couldn't work out if, even though I was in pain. There was a blocker. I, I, I actually, Are you a good cry normally? Or and not I really? never cry. Really? And even Don't in you? that amount of pain, I still couldn't cry. And I was like, I must be dehydrated. Like I did the face like <laughs> squeezy thing that people do when they cry and I just couldn't. Then a voice oh popped my in God. my head that was like, uh, you know, and everyone's going to say, why are you saying man up? But it was man up. Get on with it because no one's going to come and save you. I couldn't see any people as well. I was alone in, in a field. It was like, <gasps> if you start crying you know it's not going to make a difference to you finishing this race and so I couldn't cry and I posted it on social media and people thought I was joking but I did actually try to cry and I couldn't cry 
Oh, wow. Interesting. You're not a crier. I love a good cry. I'm like you, Maven. Yeah. I'm just like, I feel like you just have to really just feel the emotion. You feel yeah. so much better and you work through it so much quicker yeah. than yeah. when you do and you're like, I can't cry. I can't get upset about this. No. I'm like, no, do you know what? I'm going to cry. I'm going to feel really sad. I'll put on some really sad songs. <laughs> I'll literally wallow in it. Yeah. And then the next day I'm normally all right. I, feel better. I think you have to. Mm. And you know, I don't, I don't even, say, I don't think wallow is even the word. I just think it's just have that moment you yeah. owe it to yourself there's nothing wrong with feeling how you feel mm. um and obviously i appreciate there are people uh, lots of people out there men women you know black white yellow brown who uh, you know it's not enough just to cry or sometimes depression has got you in its grip so that you can't cry and you can't speak up um you know so i appreciate it. it's not everyone's experience but if you can just give way to it give way to the feeling and also go and get help. Don't be afraid to speak up. It is not a weakness. It is not failure. Um, and, you know, that was, you know, I, I thought that for many years. I can't, I can't. Mm. People go, Marverine, not you. You're, you're, the, you're the rock. You, you're this ambitious woman that we all love and know. How could you possibly not be coping? Well, we got a woman up yeah. and say, yes, we are. I hate that phrase, man up. We got a woman up. <laughs> and acknowledge what's going on so that Marguerite, we can get help. That is the perfect way to end this. <laughs> what, what, what day is the documentary on, very quickly? Um, it's online now. Um, it's online at BBC Radio 4. Just Google Black Girls Don't Cry yeah. and it should come up at the top of the search engine. Perfect. <laughs> and they can also find you at TV Marv on Twitter. Marvin, thank you so thank much you. for joining us. It's been wonderful talking to you. Lovely talking to you too. Thanks, ladies. The Vampire Strikes Back. Badass Women's Hour Excel on Talk Radio. Which leads me into the badass principle of the week. And I've taken it from Chidera. She said when she was talking, there isn't a deadline for growth. And it is so true. There is no deadline for growth. You can always be learning. You're always on a journey. Um, And if you are going through life and think, oh, well, that's it. I've learned everything. Then you're almost kidding yourself. Yeah, and I totally agree, yeah, in terms of what she was saying. I think, you know, it's very easy to go, especially as you get older, to go, oh, well, you know, I'm just me, aren't I? Mm -hmm. That's just how I am, and that's the... Well, bad things happen to me, that's just the way it is. Yeah, Yeah. or yeah, you notice those patterns, and you just kind of accept it, and you don't actually go, oh, you know what, I could change this. So, Mm. yeah, I'm with you, I'm with you on that. That's a good... A good badass principle of the she week. She dropped lots of really great principles. There's lots of green pen all over my my show notes because I think the core of everything that she was saying was that we really need to start thinking about who we are and how we relate to the people around us and then the impact that we can have together co- collectively. And that is that has definitely stayed with me. And I think it was a recurring theme, especially when we were talking about uh, mental health and black women and the fact you know black girls don't cry. Yeah. Um, and also a lot about being your authentic self because Poppy yeah. was talking about that. You know, her success with her illustrations came when she actually started doing the illustrations that were like really authentic to her. And yeah. She stopped trying to emulate what she was copying. And I just think that comes up all the time on this show yeah. when people are just being really authentic, just doing what they think is, is the right thing uh, normally taps into success for them, doesn't it? One, two, three, four! This has been Badass Women's Hour's Best Bits. 
Uh, if you liked it, please do rate, review and subscribe us. We love that. Five stars. Um, or come chat to us on social media. You can find us at Badass Women's Hour, HR, at Badass Women's Hour. Or come talk to us individually. I'm at Harriet Minter. At Emma Sexton. And at Nat D. Campbell. And we'll be here again next week, same time, same place. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.